0: Late lunch with Blackstay Motors Driver, Renault dealer of the year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance.
2: You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM radio. A little bit later on, the on, the ombudsman Peter Tyndall is joining us on the show. We have an item on security if you're in business or around your home and we'll be talking about mystery tours on the show, show today. Have you ever been on a mystery tour? I'm amazed that they're still going strong across the northeast here, but if you have, give us a shout. We'd love to hear about your mystery tour experience. 086 1800 658 by text or WhatsApp, or you can call in now on 1850 or you can uh, call in on 185715958. Now our first guest today, he's one of our finest ever short distance athletes, European Indoor four hundred meter champion in two thousand and five and seven, a bronze medal as part of the Irish 4 by 400 team at the World Championships in 2004, and a raft of other national and international titles over an impressive career. He's faced many challenges since retirement, which he's documented in a brilliant new book. It's called Back on Track. What a title, David Gillick. I have to say, it hits the nail on the head, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me in, um, and thanks for the introduction. It's always nice to, I suppose, hear my past glories, something I probably didn't do, uh, remind myself on an ongoing basis. But... Uh, Yeah, like the, the title back on track. And I think, you know, I was fortunate enough to publish a book a couple of years ago, which was solely about food. Uh, And this time around, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of broaden that because I went through some dark times when I, when I retired from sport and that kind of, I lost my identity, wasn't sure about what I wanted to do, had no purpose, had no goals, all these sort of things. And, you know, slowly and surely, I kind of, got back on track, if you like, and there was a, there's a number of ways and uh, kind of strategies I implemented, and, and food was one of those, and as, along with kind of, you know, mindset and exercise and uh, a bit of rest and recovery. So I wanted to package them all in a book and give people tips um, and just showcase some of the strategies and things that I implemented over the last number of years.
2: You know, you mentioned there that you were a little wayward when the mm. career ended. You know, when you're right in there and you're competing and you're a full-time athlete, it happens across sports with professional sports people all the time. When you think about that, is is there not enough done to prepare people for after that time?
3: Probably not. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of look at sport as... Uh, as one of the areas where you're very much kind of focused and driven and looking forward to goals and the next championship. But, you know, to be honest, which is a lot of people in in many walks of life that would think like that, people in careers, people with families who are always looking for the next thing and, you know, very goal-orientated. And then suddenly there's an element of change. And I think when you when you look at, like, the last, say, oh, 10 years ago in this country, there was an awful lot of change. And I think a lot of people struggled with it. And, you know, coming from the world of sport, I was exactly the same as that. I was very routine-based. I was very focused on getting faster, um, you know, trying to get 0.1, 0.2 of a second, that could make a difference, so, you know, I was always looking forward to the next championship, be it a, a Europeans or Worlds or even an Olympics, and that was a four-year cycle, so my life kind of revolved around four years, and then suddenly, when I stepped off the track, um, I was lost, I was very much lost, I had no, my identity was the biggest thing I really struggled with, because I thought I was just an athlete, I didn't know if I was good at anything else, I had given so much of my life to athletics to try and better myself, then suddenly it ended. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do next. And that was a really tough time because anxiety, stress, how am I going to pay the bills, um, you know, all of these things come in and you think, where am I going to be in five years, where am I going to be in 10 years? So the fear factor. Um, and I struggled with that. I really did. Do you think it's more
2: of a responsibility for the governing organisations of many sports, whether professional people like Athletics, which you yeah. Athletics Ireland? that they should you know, prepare people for, for that time when the change happens?
3: Yeah, I do. Um, and I think we, we have to be careful because what's happening now is we're very much um, performance-orientated. It's medals. It's medals, it's medals, it's medals. And that's how you're viewed, be it as an individual but also be it as a sport, so if you look at the current kind of funding model, a lot of it comes down to how you perform at championships and how you perform at Olympics, and that's how a governing body gets their funding. So it is all about performance. So what can happen there is they're looking for the David Killick or the next David Killick or, you know, who's coming behind, but they're forgetting about there's a human being that's actually going to stop, step off the track, and then what? You know, and it's very easy for a sport to kind of, like, wash the hands of that person because they're finished. Um, But you have to remember that's a human being there. That's someone now that's going to face sometimes a bigger challenge coming off the track so there is improvements there is work being done um with the institute of sport and sport ireland they are implementing um kind of strategies and procedures for post games so it is all about the up but it's always coming back down as well and they are implementing some strategies in there and you will see that post them um, like post London post Rio and now post Tokyo as well but you know they need to highlight that they need to um, showcase that there's an importance and get the funding for that as well because you know like I said there's individuals there that some will walk away from the sport and carry on and go on to the next phase of their life with no problems but then there's all, always uh, a few that may struggle a little bit so I think we have to support them as well It's really good to hear that it's a very
2: important point to make when you look at your career and reflect on it being a full-time athlete is it all glamour is it is it as good as it appears you know for for most looking in from the outside
3: yeah like well i always wanted to be a professional footballer but okay. i couldn't kick snow off a rope so <laughs> i was fast um but it was a dream come true, I'll be brutally honest. Like I, I studied here um in Dublin, then I went to I decided when I finished my degree that I wanted to give running a go and I wanted to really give it a good old crack and I decided I was gonna relocate. So I relocated off to Loughborough University where there was an environment there where I could go full time. Um and I had a bit of success in two thousand five which managed to get my funding up and I had a sponsor or two that kinda helped me go full time and pay the bills. So I managed to do that and I loved it. I absolutely loved it because It was just everything. My whole lifestyle revolved around athletics. So my food, my sleep, my rest, my train, everything. And, you know, it was great. It was great to to work towards goals and achieve them, get faster, go to championships, represent your country at the biggest of all the Olympic Games. But it was hard. You know, and that's where I think, you know, you can look at it from the outside and kind of go, oh, very glamorous. Trust me, I was going to some places around Europe that, you know, you wouldn't want to go. Um, the food wasn't great. The travel was, you know, the first thing in the morning, lack of sleep, all of those sort of things. And it's hard work. So we were training six days of the week, you know, working really hard, getting sick on the side of the track, all of that sort of stuff. But that's what you need to do, you know. That's what you need to put in um, in order to get those rewards. And uh, but I loved it, you know. And you know now I, I can I can happily look back at my career with fondness. Um, and it's great to be able to do that and remind myself of the past successes that I've had.
2: When you're in the sport, look, doping and drugs yeah. have been a blight. Look at the Russians out for three years; they're just back in yeah, yeah. the international family again this week. Were you aware of that? Did did you suspect that people you were competing against were at this?
3: Yeah, well I go back to two thousand and nine where um personally my, my biggest achievement in this sport, I finished sixth in the World Championships and I always wanted to to make a global final, you know, being the top eight in the world and I managed to achieve that and um the American athlete who won that race, this was in August, um in the following October, he fell a drug test and he was banned. Um so, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, was I fifth? You know, it wasn't on the podium, but fifth in the world is better than sixth. So, that w- would have meant a whole lot for me. The, the guy who finished second, there was a lot of issues around him as well. So, you know, where did I really finish? Um, did I win it? Was I the clean athlete in the race? So, all these thoughts kind of do come in. But when you're in that environment and you're in that situation, you do have the blinkers on because you can only control yourself you can't be worrying about other people and things like that but you know the there is an issue in the sport Um, you highlighted the systematic open that was going on in Russia you've also highlighted that WADA now have brought them back in which you know probably uh, if I'm being personal about it yeah it's disappointing I think the goalposts have changed they've brought them in and um, where I think they should have um been a bit tougher on them Um, the IAAF have uh, still haven't made a decision where they're going to allow Russian athletes to compete again but um it is getting better. The biological passport is is proven to catch a lot of athletes out. But there's always work to be done, always work to be done. And um, it's slowly and hopefully steadily going to improve. But uh, we just need to make sure the resources are there that we can really catch, um, catch the cheats. You mentioned Loughborough, a famous place where many
2: athletes have gone. And we have some local young girls here who are over there at the moment yeah. from the northeast. And they're doing their specialist training and that. Is it always necessary to go? Can we not do this at home? Can you not reach the top in the world based here in Ireland?
3: I think um, you know when I went over to to Loughborough, it didn't the environment didn't exist in Ireland at that time. There was no Institute of Sport. There was no centralized uh, kind of environment where you're bringing your best athletes across all sports together and it's like an ecosystem that didn't exist and um, it has improved in Abbottstown now you look at the resources that they put in not only from a facilities point of view but the the, the services the actual people really good people there to help athletes get to the next level and um, you know again there is issues around coaching can we in athletics say get some full-time coaches um, which again Fairness to the governing body, they are ring fencing some some funding there that they they're going to try and put solely into coaching. Um, so to answer your question, I think you can achieve uh, really good results uh, on the the biggest w- level in the world. Been uh, based in Ireland, like if you look at, say, the recent European Championships in Berlin, the likes of Tom Barry's based down in Limerick. Um, you know, Kier McGean was based here. She won medals from being based here. Um, She's recently moved abroad. But again, it comes down to that individual as well. So I do think we've made huge improvements here in Ireland to keep our best athletes. But what I would say is we need to get them all together. I think an ecosystem, that's why Loughborough worked so well for me. You know, you're feeding off some great athletes. You're walking into the gym and you're seeing Olympic champions, Olympic medalists. That's fantastic.
2: Isn't he back on track? He really is. Just listen to him this <laughs> afternoon. He's a great guy. He's my special guest on Late Lunch Today. We're heading to the first break of the afternoon. If you want to put a question to David, you're very welcome to do so. 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text, or you can call in now on eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. More from David in a moment.
0: With Blackstay Motors Drogheda, Renault Dealer of the Year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance.
2: David Gillick is with us on Late Lunch this afternoon, a former international athlete, and his new book is called Back on Track. I have to say to you, boy, you're looking so well, because I was going to say to you when you came in, you must be jaded because you've been talking a lot about the book on radio and television, but you've had a nice break recently.
3: Yeah, like the book was launched uh, just over two weeks ago. Um, And yeah, the feedback was was great, a lot of positivity around it. And obviously, yeah, got on the circuit and doing the interviews and things like that. But uh, we had a holiday planned. So we have uh, Oscars two and a half, um, my wife Charlotte, and then we had uh, a little girl uh, seven weeks ago. Oh, congratulations! Olivia. So um, we went on holidays there for about just about nine days, then uh, to Spain, and it was it was lovely. And I think you know after everything about the launch, it's great to just get away and kind of down tools for a bit, and you know just spend a bit of time with with the people that matter.
2: That brings me back to the book, and I want to say to you congratulations on this book because this book is not for elite athletes or anything like that. This is for. Anybody, It really is. It has so much common sense in it. And we'll get on to the, uh, the cooking in a moment as well. But the four tenets of the book are mindset, movement, rest and diet. And yeah. you say that they all need to be in balance in your life. Now, you know, when you have two small children like you have or you're working full time and yeah. things like
3: this, do you need you know, or, and, and is it possible to have those four in balance or must you have them? Yeah, well, no. no, Okay, I think the way I look at it is you can dip in, dip out. I think, you know, that holistic approach to well-being is something that I'm passionate about because I've lived it. It's reality for me. I've gone through it. And, you know, I was very much into my sport uh, from being an athlete. And when I retired, I tried to kind of keep active. And then I suddenly kind of, I i lost interest in that. I wasn't looking after my diet. I wasn't really sleeping properly. Um, you know, my mindset was quite negative. So across all those four, I suddenly slipped to a complete opposite from where I once was. Um, and I kind of just learned that, you know, it's like a ripple effect. If if you can add a bit of activity into your, into your daily life, you'll, you'll feel a little bit better about yourself. And then you might kind of be inspired to go, you know, well, I'll, I'll have a meal or have a healthy meal, you know. Um, and, you know, that's where it kind of began to change for me. So what I really wanted to do in this book was showcase the tips and the strategies that I implemented over the last couple of years across from recipes, also back into, like, even things about your mindset, which is something that a lot of people might overlook, you know, the, the the power of your your internal dialogue, the way you talk to yourself, you know, how do you remind yourself of your past successes? Like, what are you good at? What, what makes you, you? you know, I call that the, the wall of belief. So these are simple things that I would have done when I was an athlete. And then suddenly when I stopped being an athlete, I stopped doing them. And I realized, God, you know, I was all about, you know, the physical, but I forgot about my, my mind, my head. And that's where I really wanted to showcase the strategies because I think and I believe that people from all walks of life, there's simple little things in the book that you can implement across all those four pillars, if you like.
2: You know, when you just said that there, I just, you reminded me of that little voice inside myself yeah, that yeah.
3: talks to me and I talk to it all of the time and yeah. we all do. Well, I actually named that voice. So in the book, when you when you read through it, you'll see that I named that little voice inside my head. Um so again it was through a, like I, I went to council and I began to learn a little bit about um you know, why I was thinking certain ways and when I began to understand that it, it made sense. It made sense in my head. But this little voice I call him Chopper Reed. Some of you may know Chopper Reed out there, he's uh he was an Australian criminal actually, he was a bit of a lunatic. <laughs> So he's the little guy. But the interesting thing is when, when that voice starts talking, that's chopper, really. it's not David Killett. And when it's somebody else, then I can dispute it, you know. So it's easily, it's, it's actually called the 3D technique. So it's distraction, um, distance yourself from it, and then dispute it. I'll have to get a name for my own. I have yeah. a few You'll right, need, You have a few, right few voices here, you need a few names. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll have, to, I'll have to
2: look at that. You know, when you talk about rest as well, you, know, mm. you hear people say we only need a few hours of night's sleep, and yes. I'm going all the time. And How important is it?
3: Ah uh, rest is rest is vital it really is i think um you know most most people might think of of rest in terms of sleep but like you know if i was to ask you what's the what's the recommendation uh, sleep hours we should be getting a night would you know eight yeah spot on so seven between 7 and 9 um but the world we live in now information overload information overload 24/7 we can get information you know, it doesn't switch off and through social media all of these all these things it's very hard for people to switch off and that's one um, issue a lot of people are having is the ability to flick the off switch that could mean you know do you have difficulty reading a book reading the paper are you constantly on is your head spinning the whole time are you struggling to get asleep you know the minute you wake up is a phone in your hand emails all these sort of things like that's all impinging on your sleep but also over the course of the day can you actually maybe engage with someone face to face and have a conversation that's rest recovery because you feel a bit better about yourself you know um all of these things are vitally important so it's it's not just about sleep it's adding in a bit of downtime you know a bit of recovery and maybe it is like if you have i know myself my wife works full-time two kids um it can be hard to, to factor that in but it's amazing what five minutes just even closing your eyes and that's where in the book i kind of talk a little bit about meditation as well you know it could be even be just 60 seconds just kind of down on tools a little bit can really help people it's
2: a, a very important area, as you say, there to get that rest. You have a picture in the book as well of power off on yeah, the phone. I yeah. saw that as well. My God, you're so right there because I, I finish off with it at nighttime and I pick it up first thing in the morning. And, you know, the mind races. You know that thing that you've probably experienced it where your mind just goes off and it's yeah.
3: trying to stop it. Well, I struggle with that an awful lot. And it's always interesting when you go into, say, a hotel room to have the pen and paper beside the bed. You know, the reason that's there, that is there is so when you get taught, you write them down if you don't write them down, they're just spinning around your head all night. And likewise, like the last thing a lot of people do is now they go on their, um, their mobile phones when are in their bed and it's social media and all the rest of that, um, but it's also their alarm clock. So the minute it goes off in the morning, the phone's in your... So before you're even out of bed, uh, you're looking at emails. And look, I, I've, I do it. I try. It's, it's something that I try not to do. I've even gone and bought an alarm clock an old school alarm clock just so I can get the phone out. But like, these are all things that you try and change, you know, and it's not saying that you have to radically overhaul everything in your lifestyle overnight. Just implement little things over time can make a huge difference.
2: Page 41 jumped out at me in the book, Training for Weight Loss. Now, lots of people listening today. Yeah. Oh, you know yourself, David, and we're we'll coming to the time of year, people say, oh, well, shall it be all right till Christmas? I'll just keep going. And then January arrives and it's bam, bam, bam. You yeah. have to get rid of this now. It's a huge issue: obesity, yeah. overweight, all that type of thing. What are your recommendations? You know, to 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 deal with this. You say first of all, and I'll just I'll preempt what you were going to answer there. You have to get this right in the head first mm. before you begin anything else. Is that?
3: Yeah, you have important? to want to do it. It has to be of a priority to yourself. There's no point kind of going. Oh, I'll give this a little go or a half go. It won't last, and that's vitally important. It's something that's practical and sustainable. Um, and the reason I kind of talked about weight loss there is because it is one of the most common goals. People will say, I want to lose a little bit of weight. January, you mentioned, it's the, the biggest goal. New Year's resolutions is weight loss. And you can be guaranteed that by week number two, week number three of January, people have given up on it. So what I always say when it comes to weight loss is, and this is my own view, um, would be down to calories. So the calories you're consuming, you've got to expend more. You've got to get out and actually do some exercise to, to burn that off. If exercise isn't your thing, well then you have to reduce the amount of calories. It has to be a deficit. Um, and then you can look at like various diets that you might be uh, interested in. But overall, it comes back down to those two ingredients. It's getting out and being active uh, and also looking at the, the amount of food that you're actually consuming. Like There is a huge problem um, in Ireland, all over Europe, all over the world. Obesity. People are getting bigger. Um, and it comes down to the way we eat, the habits that we have, and like that's another thing about it is actually your routine, your habits. It can take up to – I actually mentioned it in the book in terms of um, building habits. I think it's estimated that it takes about 66 days to form a habit. Most people think it takes about 20 days or, or even less than that. So, you know, there's no quick fix. You've got to really buy into it, and it's a journey. But I think if you can get out and be a little bit active um, and just concentrate a little bit on the foods that you're consuming um, and even then the practical, th- practical things that don't, don't eat in front of the TV, or, you know, eat at a table, you know, away from phones and stuff like that. Because if we're a little bit more conscious of what we're eating, that's the priority. You know? Will you stay there? I will. Don't move.
2: This man's a rock of sense. <laughs> and I want to tell you, he won MasterChef, yes, a few years ago as well. So we're going to talk more with David after news and weather too.
0: The late with Blackstay Motors Dryda, Renault dealer of the year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance.
2: David Gillick is with us on late lunch this afternoon, and his new book is called Back on Track. I absolutely love it. You say
3: in the book, goals without plans are wishes. What do you mean by that? So I think when I was growing up, um, you know, as a young athlete, we're always kind of told, oh, you know, write down your goals. And I used to do that. I used to, in my bedroom, I'd write down a time that I wanted to achieve on a piece of paper and stick it on a bedroom wall. And as I got a little bit older, I kind of realized, you know, like, is that just it? You write it on a piece of paper and then it's going to come true. And then I kind of asked myself, well, how am I going to do that? And that's where the plan. So I used to imagine a pyramid. And at the top of my pyramid was... Say I wanted to make a global championship. I wanted to make a global final. And then all the blocks underneath, they were my little plan. So what could I achieve here? What could I achieve there? And then, you know, you have a voice inside your head. that kind of might say, oh, God, David, I don't know if you can achieve that. But when you have a plan and you can actually see a roadmap of little things that you can achieve, there's 1%, there's another percent. Lo and behold, there's 5%, there's 10%. Oh, hang on a second. Now the belief starts coming. So that's why I think when it comes to goals, and that goes back to your previous kind of question about like weight loss and stuff like that. Like If someone has that goal, write it down. Is there a weight that you'd like to be? And then ask yourself, well, how are you going to get there? What can you do on a daily basis? Is it getting out on a Tuesday and a Thursday for a 30-minute walk? Is it making a healthy breakfast on a Saturday? Is it making a family meal on a, on a, on a Wednesday? And just keep it simple. And then you will see that, you know, if that's the plan, it gives you a bit of confidence, gives you a bit of motivation to maybe, you know, put in an extra meal or put in an extra exercise session. So I always say, like, you know, goals um, without plans are just simply wishes. So if you can try and put in a bit of a plan, it's vitally important. I'm curious, you win celebrity yeah. master
2: chef. You've written a book about this subsequently as well. Yeah. Uh, with beautiful recipes in it. And in this book as well, uh, may I say again, you've incorporated some wonderful, simple dishes, healthy, nutritious dishes into this book as well. Where did that come from? You know, traditionally in Ireland, young folks yeah. didn't do much cooking. No, I at didn't.
3: Home. Trust me. I grew up. Um, Uh, there's six in the family mum, dad and four kids I'm the youngest and mum did everything mum was a nurse she worked nights uh, but still managed to make home cooked meals for us all and maybe that was where it kind of started but she did everything she cooked and she bought all the food and then when I left home and moved over to England I had to do it for myself and that's when I soon kind of Realized the the importance of food going into a shop, buying ingredients, bringing it home, and actually making something, so I got kind of into it there um, and I will admit it was all very much kind of from a performance point of view, but over time, I actually found um cooking quite therapeutic. I actually liked going into the kitchen and you know focusing on cooking a dish because it 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 forced me to switch off from my training you know i wasn 't analyzing my training sessions at times or worrying about the summer coming down. it was literally. Just I didn't want to chop my fingers when I was trying to chop an onion, you know, so I I, I got into it that way. And then I kind of just went from there. And because I was trying to focus more on the on healthier foods, it was, you know, how can I make this dish like porridge, for example? You know, I had porridge religiously. I still do every single morning. So now it got to a case, well, how can I make things a little bit different? So you might make smoothies with oats, you might make oat pancakes, you know, same ingredients, but just different style of cooking. So, you know, after MasterChef, thanks for reminding me, that was five years ago, I'm still milking the backside <laughs> off that. Um, I did bring out a cookbook and it went very well. That was David Gillick's Kitchen and that was just full of recipes. Um, again, building on that over the next kind of couple of years, to this book back on track, I still wanted to put in a huge section on recipes because I think that's where people fall down. You know, yes, they all want to eat healthy, but how do you eat healthy? Give me a list of stuff that I can go and buy, which are going to be readily available in my local supermarket, not one ingredient that I have to go to a, a secret market to find. So, what we wanted to do in this book was I wanted to put together a shopping list, and if you could do that every, say, second week, so you do a big shop, and the ingredients that you buy you can use in various recipes so you're using everything you buy so again it's sustainable it's cost effective um, and you use some base sauces so there's recipes for like you know some base sauces that you can use in a variety of other recipes so again you know for example there's a sugo sauce in there it's an italian based uh, tomato sauce you make that you have a vat of that in the fridge you can use that for lasagnas for pastas for baked eggs for a whole raft of recipes so again you're using all the ingredients you have Likewise, for maybe people that are pushed for time, if you could spend maybe an hour on the weekend, you can make up little bags. I call them emergency tents, so get your veg, maybe some grains, and um, some say prawns, put them in a ziploc bag in the freezer. The minute you come in, I have nothing to make. open the freezer. all you need to do is fry them, stir fry them ten minutes there 's your dinner. So simple things like that. So we really are really focused in on uh, the recipes to make them like family friendly. um, yeah, really kind of readily available ingredients and things you can use over and over. Is breakfast so important? Um, it is important, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it is important. But overall, your whole kind of day revolves around calories, okay? So again, if you're like me, I have to have my breakfast. I wake up, I am chomping at the bit for my breakfast. It just kicks the day off for me. Some people might defer breakfast, but then what can happen is, and this isn't, this is just like, what i've kind of witnessed and some people might say that then they'd overeat at the next meal because they're starving so by eating on a regular basis like your three meals a day vitally important and in, even in between that what are you snacking on so there is there's, there's recipes for the for those little things as well but all your meals are important you know to answer that question but you know if you start skipping meals and um, you've got to be strict on yourself when it comes to portion control for your next mm. meal so because i did that for a time when i was really struggling i i was going long periods of the day with no food and then i'd put a plate in front of me and I didn't know whether to eat it or climb it it was so big hmm. so you know a bit of balance along the way is, is vitally important and on the other side when it comes evening time and yeah, the hours yeah. roll
4: on and you know those
2: <laughs> munchy hours that arrive right, yeah, please coming. help me will you help me please when, <laughs> when should I stop when when you shouldn't eat much should you after time because you'll sleep better without
3: all that lying on you or lying yeah, on your yeah absolutely like again and people will kind of relate to this as well you have a late meal and then you are kind of going to bed and it can be a bit hard to kind of Fall asleep when you eat. Your kind of your metabolism kicks in to burn all the food and uh, and everything. So again, you don't want to be having your your last meal of the day very close to bedtime. But what can happen is people are busy through the course of the day, so they're working, they've got kids, and all this. And then next minute you sit down in front of the TV and the hands are idle. That's when you kind of go, "Ooh, I'll have a packet of biscuits. I'll have one." Suddenly the packet's gone. You know, packet of crisps. And the problem is they're making these share packets now. Nobody shares them. You just eat, eat them yourself. Them yourself. So what I would always say is kind of like, you know, I'd have your, I'd have a dinner, you know, in the evening time, maybe six, seven o'clock, and then maybe try and do something before about eight, nine o'clock, have a little snack there as well. Simple things that I would always have would maybe Greek yogurt with some berries and um, say nut butters on maybe crackers or something like that, you know, maybe a bit of, bit of fruit or something like that is fine. But again, you know, this is where you have to kind of give things a go, you know, because the worst thing to do is if you are someone that might be opens a pack of crisps and then suddenly goes back and has another one, you know. Six pack. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's it, you know. So, again, everything's Um, in balance. And trust me, I'm not the food police eater. I like a treat as well. I've mm. just come back from holidays and I won't even tell you all the stuff I ate and things like over the last 10 days. But, uh, you know, a bit of balance is key. That makes two of us,
2: you (laughs) and me both. The the other thing is, um, I know when you get your mind right, and I, I say these four things again, I think it's brilliant, your mindset, movement, rest, and diet all combined. When you get to a milestone, as you point this out, rather than undoing all the good, people say, "Oh, I'll just break out now. I'll eat what I want. I'll drink what I want." You have an alternative reward system. I do,
3: and for me, like this kind of word of like a a treat day and stuff like that. Like, like you have to add in your own little things along the course of a week. You know, if there's too many rules and regulations, you're just gonna. You're just going to fall off the wagon. Mm. So add a bit of balance in there is vitally important. Um, and that's the way I kind of go about it. So if I fancy something like a ice cream or something I'll have one you know mm. uh, like if it put, put a smile on your face it can't be that bad so you know over the course of a week or something like that yeah there's a few treats in there as mm. well but I will get out and I will be active and burn
2: calories Yeah, and you well. mentioned alternatives like if you wanted uh, a new shirt or something you know you're hanging back for a bit it's a nice alternative reward without yeah. loading on calories as well absolutely you know? so treat yourself I yeah. think
3: like, that's life as well like you, you yes. know you, everyone works hard so don't be afraid to treat yourself um, and that's another thing that I've kind of learned as well is is you know have things in, in in the future that you're looking forward to, that you're working mm. towards. It makes everything worthwhile. And that could be from an exercise point of view, maybe it's doing a park run or an event or else it's gone on holiday. Mm. You know? We all work for reasons and that's I think it's vitally important to put that in place. You're in a great space. Yeah, I am, yeah. No, and it's good. Like I, I finally feel I'm in a position where I can be open and honest about my journey. Um, you know, I think mental health from a male's perspective is something that we tend to kind of bottle up. And I did that for a couple of years and probably affected relationships, you know, and I suppose it's got to a point now where it's like a weight is lifted. I'm open. I'm honest. This is my journey. This is how I kind of got through the other side, and um, it's a nice place to be in. Will I give it away? I'm
2: holding on to this book here for dear life. Do you know that, Asha? Could put, maybe have a chat with the publishers. They're yeah. good, you know what I mean? They're We're to sort you out, yeah. yeah. Anyway, look, I'm, I'm going to give a copy. David's going to sign it for us. Yeah. It's a brilliant book. It's called Back on Track. I love it. I really mean that. I congratulate you on it. It's brilliant. He'll sign it for you. Here's the question. Were you listening? Do you know about him? What distance did he specialise in? How many metres did he run? It's a short distance. I'll give you a little clue there. But if you're listening to us, you will know. We've mentioned it a number of times here. Text your answer now or WhatsApp to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text 086-1800-658. What distance did David Gillick excel? European champion on a number of occasions and national and international titles all over the place. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch today. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. And I wish you, your wife and your two lovely children all the very best for the future.
0: Cheers, thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Gifts, gifts, gifts at Crimin's Gift Shop. Call in and visit our new Tipperary room, brimming with great gift ideas, including handbags, jewelry, crystal, picture frames, candles, watches, Christmas decorations, and lots more. For a limited time only, receive a free bottle of perfume when you spend 60 euro or more. Crimin's Gift Shop, Shop Street, Trahada, and also at Camera Cabin Swords. Find Crimin's Giftware on Facebook.
3: Hi, Neff McGuire here. I've
2: just made the smart move to flow gas home heating and got an amazing 1,200 litres of gas-free. Flow gas is greener than oil, and Cuckoo gas gives me instant controllable heat. It's easy to install with a free site survey, so join me and make the smart move
3: to flow gas home heating today. Call 1-800-320-342 or search flowgas.ie. Terms and conditions apply.
4: Do you have what it takes to make a real difference, to be there for those who need us most,
1: and to belong to something bigger, to feel the pride of serving your country and supporting your community? Join our Army, our Air Corps, our Naval Service. Join our team. The Defence Forces are recruiting now. Apply on military.ie.
5: Looking to upgrade your car? Looking for great value? Then visit the Doran Motors Massive Used Car Sale and find your perfect car. Discover our fantastic offers on selected used cars from 2010 to 2018. We have the largest range of SUV models in the northeast. Low finance rates from 0% APR. Buy now and save thousands on 2018 demo cars. This Massive Used Car Sale is for one week only, from Saturday, September 22nd to Saturday 29th. Visit us at Doran motors kingscourt road carrick or log on to DoranMotors.ie for more
2: now what seems to be the problem doctor every night i dream there's a cow in my garden
4: i see frisian no i'm warm enough thanks frisian is it a frisian dairy cow i think so aha classic muinophobia. a fear of running out of milk thousands have already conquered this fear with my milkman.ie just sign up online and wake up to fresh avonmore milk on your doorstep delivered by your local milkman and my wife thinks she's a strawberry. Cream will help. They'll deliver that too. MyMilkman.ie Fresh milk is just a click
2: away.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drahada. Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renner Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance.
2: Myself and Sinead, were very intimate today.
0: We are quite close. Oh,
2: very close. Yeah. We've never been as close ever.
6: No, we have actually.
2: David here with us a moment ago. Jeez, it was just lovely, the threesome, wasn't it? <laughs> just yeah. us all here closely together.
6: Yeah, it was a different experience for me. Yeah, The other yeah, side of the definitely. desk here. Yeah, we're all in the one studio. We're They're all in the studio. There thinking, What the
2: hell are they talking <laughs> about there? Yeah, there's a new studio going into Studio 2 here. So we've been kicked out and we're all together here in Studio 1. It's yeah, it's nice and Compact cozy. and bijou and... Everything like that as well. Anyway, tell me this. Have you ever been on a a mystery tour, Sinead?
6: I haven't. I've heard of them. I haven't either. But I've never been on one.
2: Me neither. So that's two of us have never been on It's still a mystery
6: to us. Yeah, it is a mystery.
2: Have you ever been on a mystery tour? Did you go on one recently? Do you remember mystery tours in the past? If you do, we'd love to hear from you on late lunch this afternoon. You know the usual numbers. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in on 185715958. The reason I asked this question, I was in company on holidays and it came up in conversation about it. And I said to myself, God, I haven't heard of a mystery tour in years. The Breakfast Show did one here yeah. with Matthews, didn't they, a they couple of years ago? They did, a couple
6: of years ago. And they had busfuls of, them, of, of LMFM Breakfast Show yeah. fans. And they went on them. And they went, they went to Glasnevin Cemetery breakfast. and a few places, really yeah.
2: yeah. But it's something I remember from years ago that it was, you went on a mystery tour. I think they used to happen by train. I think the CIE ran them, bus no mystery tours, maybe train mystery tours. Correct me if I'm right. Uh, I'm not too sure about that but I think they did private operators did them as well but we did find out our Sinead was doing a little bit of research that they are happening they are um, (laughs) going on as we speak now some of
6: them are a wee bit different now Jerry, of the hen and stag variety but there are some ones of yesteryear let's say that people might remember that are still ongoing at the minute so the likes of the ones that don't necessarily involve alcohol you hop on the bus And you go off and you never know where you mind to end up. Where you
2: end up. It could be anywhere at all. Well, look, we were chatting about it this morning and we got a recommendation. Mr. Liam Riley, he's well known in Millmount. You know Millmount, the cup and saucer in Mm drama. And we found out that Liam actually has been involved in the organising of Mystery Tours for years and years. And nothing you do us but contact him. And I want to thank him for taking the call because he's quite busy at the moment. And I began by asking Liam to... You know, tell me about the Mystery Tour and his memories of the early Mystery Tours and the tours he's involved in organising at the moment.
5: Yeah, the first one I went on many, 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 many moons ago, uh, they would have been run out of of various pubs. I think the first one we went on was from uh, the West End Bar, which is now Donaghy's. But for the last um, 22 years or so, we've been running them regularly. Uh, Firstly, out of the old um, central uh, in Peter Street. Did that for about 20 years and uh, this year we've, we've, done, uh, we've done two out of Nolan's at the Card Road and uh, there's another one planned now for the 16th of December.
2: So Liam, these mystery tours are still alive and well and happening as we speak.
5: Yeah, I believe there was one uh, either this week or last week from uh, Mother Hughes. Uh, as I say, there's another one planned from Nolands. Uh, So they're they're very, very popular. They book out very, very quickly. Like Nolan's ran one in in April, and the clamour for another one was so big that they decided to do one in September. And then that one went so well that uh, they're going to do one now on the 16th of December.
2: So they're very, very popular then with people once they experience them. Just come back and tell me again about the format. What uh, what time do you head off at in the day?
5: uh, You would head off about 1 o'clock. You don't want to go too far away. Now, we, uh, originally, we were going to places like uh, Caffer Blaney to Hope Caffer, which was a lovely uh, location. Places like Virginia, uh, Carlingford. Uh, but we found that people uh, didn't want to go too far. Uh, so, now, the last one we, we did uh, went to, firstly, to Loban Town Inn, where very few of them had been before, and then we finished up in the valley in, in Malera. The previous one to that, uh, we went to Donnelly's in Clontarf which absolutely nobody had been to before, and it's uh, it's a lovely rural pub up in North County Dublin. After that, uh, we went to White's in the morning. You, you kind of have to choose your your venues so that uh, you, you get uh, a good experience because uh, you don't want to arrive and there's no bar staff or the place is closed or uh, you're haggling over the price or something like that. But uh, Mostly they 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 turn out quite well.
2: So you head off around lunchtime. Is there food involved? Do you get a feed when you're uh, away? In
5: the first in the first venue uh, there would be finger food, uh, sandwiches, cocktail sausages, chicken goujons. Uh, then the second place uh, you would have a main course and maybe a dessert or tea or coffee. Uh, the budget would be to try and keep it at about twenty five euro.
2: Right, but in everybody's reach. And off you go and you pick two or three uh, venues that you stop at. Are, are all of them always somewhere uh, that's a public house or do you ever go anywhere else?
5: Uh, well, these would be pub mystery tours, so you're going to a public house. Uh, there have been a lot of t- t- tours, for example, over the years, the old lot society would have run lots of, lots of tours, taking in um, various historical um, places, but they wouldn't be mystery tours As such, because people would know exactly where they were going to. Yeah. But in these, uh, half of the idea is to, to keep them getting, and uh, the driver we use is a great manacle around the same roundabout of it five times to, to ensure they don't know where they're going. <laughs>
2: That's get, their, get their heads dizzy and they're not sure in what direction they're heading in.
5: But if we are heading for, for, for North County Dublin, he would head up the North Road and then come down Mel. But uh, you have to try and confuse them a little bit, uh, because if somebody if somebody knows where you're going, it, it, it ruins the uh, it ruins the effect. It happened to some years back that uh, our first stop was uh, in a pub in Cullen, and unfortunately one of the, per- the people who were going, uh, their uh, partner's brother, walked in the pub, so they they knew we were coming. Another time, uh, our first stop was in Allen and. Uh, It seems one of the guys had been at the pub in Toddy Allen, got a taxi into to Drogheda, went back into the pool room where his brother was playing pool, he says, I thought you were going on the Central Mystery Tour. He says, I'm honest. He could have saved himself the 12 euro if he had to know where he was going.
2: (laughs) So strange and funny things happen. And then it's back to the place that's organised at the end of the day. Back to
5: whoever whoever organises it. You can't keep them out of the place. Uh, it'd be very bad business to, to uh, strip your pub with its regulars on a Sunday night, like, you know. Mm.
2: And generally the Sundays, and, are they, Liam, yeah?
5: Uh, they, can be go, they can be done on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we, we found that Sundays was, was the, the easier day. There, were, there wasn't so many people working.
3: And
2: if the venue, I think you might have mentioned that already, if it slips out beforehand or someone gets wind of the word, do you change tack then?
5: Uh, we, we have done it a couple of times, but... Uh, you know, we, we kind of um, now when we're booking a place, we say don't uh, let it out as to what to what's happening in case somebody gets wind of the ward But uh, we, we found now of late uh, it hasn't been happening because uh, some of the places that we choose wouldn't be they'd be off the beaten uh, track a little bit, but uh, would be very good good venues. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of great country pubs out there, Jerry, that, that uh, know how to look after people. So. Uh, if you can get, you know, a good country pub, uh, it saves you going around looking for for people. Even in villages where there are three or four pubs, uh, we find that uh, you'll always get three or four who wander, and you're going around looking for them at the end of the night when people want to get home.
2: So that is uh, part of the organizer's job to round up everybody and get the show on the road again.
5: If anybody steps out of line, they're left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Leave <laughs> they're left uh, oh, behind. Have you left people walk. behind? You've lost people, have you?
5: I have on a couple of occasions, if somebody misbehaves, you're told, sorry, you're not coming home on the bus, good luck. You're representing wherever you're wherever you're going from, so you don't need to... Uh, uh, you don't want to get that place a bad name by, by uh, somebody stepping out of line.
2: I understand. And age profile, Liam, who goes on these mystery tours?
5: Uh, from 18 to 80. Really? On one tour with somebody who, who was 88... And led the dancing the whole time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sprightly at eighty-eight, and uh, heart and soul of what was going on. And if you didn't take a drink, Liam, are the people who go who don't partake in alcohol?
5: Oh yes, you would. You, would, you Well, you wouldn't have that many, but you, you definitely would have some. And uh, it's all about it's all about the crack and enjoying yourself and having a, a, a sing song and a dance. And sometimes the people who don't take a drink. Uh, Uh, You'd think they were worse than the people who who, who were after having a few.
2: They enjoyed more. It's good to hear that it's just not all about that as well, even though most people who go uh, do partake. Anyway, so the message today on Late Lunch from Liam Riley, who's uh, gone on more mystery tours than he cares to remember, is that they're still alive and well and very popular.
5: Exactly. (laughs)
0: Lunch with Blackstay Motors Dryda, Renault dealer of the year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance.
2: To remind you of crime and crime at home or in business, we hear about it every day on the news here. and you know, it's a big issue for people all of the time and anything that can secure our property or our businesses is better is to be welcomed. With this in mind, Angarda Shia Corner are organising a business security exhibition in the Ardboyne Hotel in Navin. It's happening Wednesday week, the 3rd of October from 11 until 7 o'clock and we're going to talk about it and security for the next while on Late Lunch. I'm joined by someone you've met on the show before, Dean Cairns. He's the Crime Prevention Officer from Meath. Tom Scott is here from Fog Bandit and Maria Talbot, from Auto-Key. You're all very welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Dean, if I could begin with yourself. What's, what's the idea behind this? What's prompted this?
7: I suppose in, in my role, as you know, as crime prevention, you know, I always get called out to help people who are being the victim of crime. So the idea behind the exhibition is to try and bring in a number of experts into the one room, as well let people see what's available to them to try and improve their security, or in, in, in improve it look at different ideas where they can enhance what they have already, or maybe just look at security, which they didn't think they needed in the first place. And I suppose that's why we, with the exhibition itself, you know, there's about 35 exhibitors there, which will literally cover every aspect of business. And, you know, when we talk about business, we could talk about the, the, the land crews or farmers that have their jeeps taken there recently. We have people to deal with that sort of security. You know, you have the likes of the construction industry, where there's a huge amount of tools being stolen small retailers, you know, till fraud, uh, cyber threats, you know. So this exhibition is a bit about everything there. So there is something in it for everybody, not just... But people think, oh, no, that, that that wouldn't be anything to do with me, you know, that's only for the, the big shops, but it's not.
2: And it says on the publicity as well here, which is important to point out, business, home, personal safety and security, it encompasses the whole lot.
7: Oh, it's everything. You know, I mean, all the companies there will cover every aspect uh, or any questions they might have in, in relation to improving their security. And, and with the three seminars, you know, they're very topical as well. The cyber fraud and the GDPR, you know, they're on throughout the day as well, and I suppose it's to try and get the people to realise, you know, that it is a it is a big industry out there, but, you know, this is what we're trying to do, maybe to stop them becoming a victim down the line. Are there too many businesses and
2: people in general who are maybe a bit blasé about this, that, you know, a little bit of
7: thought put into this, a little bit of investment in security could make all the difference? Oh, of course. And I suppose it's the usual story. They'll wait until something happens before they decide to spend a few pounds, and I suppose Go back to crime prevention. You know, we try to prevent it before something actually happens. You know, and some people do think that they will never become a victim. What they think, oh, I'm not making that much money to become a victim. But what they don't realise is maybe a lot of the products they have are very very expensive. They'll they'll, they'll neglect maybe to put any sort of a security into the place, and then when they become a victim, they wonder why. You know. So we're trying to maybe educate them as much as anything as well. You know, and that's that's important from a
2: guardianship corner point of view. Are a lot of these guys opportunists,
7: or is it organised? Well, at the moment, we see both working in the in the county. Well, I mean, I, I would mainly know about the county of Mead. Yeah. We certainly have two, you have the organised criminals coming into the county at different times of the day and night, and you have a huge amount of opportunists. Simply chancing their arm, you know, being brave, driving into construction sites, pretending they're even part of the construction workers, and people are just ignoring them. And then they're driving along the roads all day, every day, looking for something just to, to an easy, an easy touch, you know, an easy theft, simple. Throw it into the back of the car, van, jeep, whatever the case may be, and off to go with it. And they look upon even as we know we spoke about them before the farmyards. That's their supermarket you know, the drive-in there and it's like an open season for them, you know, so we're trying to get you know, all the exhibitors will certainly make a big difference if people actually come in and take advantage of it uh, and that's the reason behind the exhibition itself. And where we are geographically here, when you look at Loudoun
2: Mead, our uh, broadcast area and I know a lot of people listen to us way beyond that as well Uh we're right beside Dublin here where organised crime, <laughs> I might say is maybe a little more organised.
7: Yeah, without a doubt, I mean like 20 minutes will bring you to, or even 15 minutes, you know, we'll bring you back up to Dublin with the Good Roads now, you know, and you have different types of criminals coming out from the city oh look we have our own criminals in around the county itself you don't have to look too far so there's every type of criminal you know around the place but you know we try not to forget the the online criminals as well and that's why we, we have some very good information very good exhibitors there uh, we have the, you know, the the Garda units who will be able to give advice on the cyber threats like what happened the likes of me county council there not that long ago you know this is very real and now that's filtering down even to the smaller companies and we saw that recently as well you know you
2: mentioned some of the exhibitors, and we have a couple with us today. I want to welcome Tom Scott from Fog Bandit at the show. Tom, it's very good to see you. Thank you for joining us nice on Late you, lunch. Jerry. Will you just tell our listeners or describe what your business is about?
1: Well, Jerry, the easiest thing for me to do, I'm going to just slip across a little iPad there to you and let you have a look at our system in action. This is a typical type of break-in where people will come into a premises and they'll be there for less than maybe... Um, two minutes and they will disappear with five or six thousand euros worth of cigarettes.
2: So, can I describe this here? There's two lads coming in here, breaking into this premises
1: mm-hmm. balaclavas, gloves.
2: Yes, on them. And a bag. But hold on a minute, Tom. I can't see them all of a sudden because suddenly there's this massive cloud of smoke has appeared.
1: Mm. This is our fog bandit system has been triggered after the alarm has long since activated. Once an alarm activates, we're going to be maybe a couple of minutes before the monitoring centre actually call a key keyholder. Keyholders could be 3, 4 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, any time coming. So these people know that if they've got time and if they've got tools, to quote Kevin Crudders as he was years ago, if you give them time and tools, they can do anything. If they've got time and they've got tools, they can remove your product. What we do is we deliver 28 cubic metres of fog per second. Now, for people who don't realise what a cubic metre is, People in the agricultural sector know what an IBC is, that tank that they put water in, 28 of those per second, and we restrict visibility to less than the distance of your elbow. I can see that. And we will drive the raiders back out. Now, we use this in both break-ins and in violent raids. We can time the duration that we deploy for. So, say, in the situation where we have a raid where people come to this desperation crime where we see, say, um, you're... Uh, convenience store where they're going to get away with maybe 400 euro or something like mm. this but the damage they could do to people who serve behind that counter instead of um, having any form of conflict we recommend that people actually open the till step away and as they move away press a panic button and stay going that will drive the radar from the premises it's the end of the the situation and we've heard people describe it as the only way to actually disarm a violent raid that's available to people at the moment.
2: And we've had an example in Omid, not far from us here, an Esso Station recently, where it, it worked really well.
1: We did. We've had twice we've actually saved that premises in Omid. The same it, one? Same one. And basically, it's these guys will come in. They're coming in at night time for cash. The, the way banks have gone at the moment, there's a certain amount of cash is dropped into ground safes and things like that on premises and the cigarette stock is there and this cigarette to these people is cash like it's it's, yeah. it's that easy to get rid of we've seen both sides of this and again as Dean says we get the call after the event like I have been to premises where there have been there's been hundreds of thousands of euros worth of damage caused because people got in they get there with angle grinders and saws. they cut the floor safes they cut the ATM they will cut their way into the cigarette storage and the damage that they do in a premises to the food stock, to the normal stock that's supposed to be sold is almost unmeasurable. You end up then with a huge insurance issue which is going to go on and on and on for months and businesses are down this money and down this time and we can prevent that.
2: This fog or vapour or whatever it is mm. that, that, that comes out, does
1: it keep coming?
2: Does it... Or, or, you know, if it's in a confined area, will it just stay there? It doesn't disappear or dissipate? It,
1: it will last about 40 minutes before it starts to break really? down. And we fill, we measure the volume of the area we're going to fill and we fill for a period of time to fill that volume. So we know we're going to fill at 28 cubic metres per second. So in 10 seconds, we'll fill 280 cubic metres. There are a number of regulations as to how it's installed. People, there obviously has to be a, um, there's a, our fog is food safe, it's electronic safe, it dissipates, it leaves no residue, as I say, it just breaks down. It's glycol and water, the same as you get in the entertainment business, Business, except it's done in a different way.
2: Yes. There, there, you've just jumped about three of my questions there. Sorry. Three direct... No, no, listen, it's fine. We just want to get the information across. No fog here, um, no fog here. We want it clear, clear as day. But they're very important things that I'm sure people <laughs> listening today are thinking and asking those few things. The other thing, installing it, does it take long to install? Is there much involved?
1: It's it's normally integrated with your existing alarm. We may look at the alarm and say, guys, we need to upgrade certain areas or whatever, which is normal enough. Say the location of panic buttons may have to be changed and things like that. The system to meet the standard, the EN standard that's associated with security fogging systems has to be monitored. So we know that it's always working and we know it will work when it's called on. Our system comes with a five-year warranty, and we have never had a failure to operate when called on. It's as simple as that. Mm. This is why the major cash-in-transit companies, the high-end jewelers, the, we would have testimonials from, say, Weir's and Grafton Street, G4 Cash-in-Transit.
2: You caused a little bit of a stir in Grafton Street. When was that?
1: Oh, we shut it down a year or two ago. You I did? We did, yeah. Well, that was <laughs> their system, their, system um, their alarm system detected seismic activity which meant that their alarm system felt somebody was breaking into the basement. And basically, it said to us, it's time for you to go. We don't say, are you sure? We go. Simple as that. And what that was a Sunday afternoon, so bypassers could see the fog coming from underneath the shutters, and they rang the fire brigade. And despite the fact that the fire brigade had been informed by the monitoring people that this was a fog deployment, they responded because they were responding to calls from the public. And they shut Grafton Street. So yes. it's well, that. One but, of those things.
2: But it just shows you. It, it does, works. What it says on the tin. It really does. It's it, does. it It's proven and, and, mm. and really has and been effective as well. I want to take a short break on late lunch. Just remind you of this again because sitting patiently by is Maria Talbot from and we're going to talk to her in a moment. On Gather Shea Connor, they have a business security exhibition. It's happening at the Ardbine Hotel in Navin. Next Wednesday, that's Wednesday week, the third of October, from eleven to seven. Everybody welcome and we're going to talk more about it after the break. <laughs>
0: The late lunch with Blackstay Motors Dryda, Renault dealer of the year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance.
2: Business security. Everybody's Security, in fact, tomorrow week, Wednesday, the 3rd of October, 11 to 7 in the Ardbine Hotel in Navin. Everybody welcome on Garda Shia Business Security Exhibition. And we're talking about it today with Dean Kearns, Tom Scott and Maria Talbot. She's been sitting patiently waiting for me to throw a question at her. Maria, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. AutoKey is the name of your business. What is AutoKey?
8: Autokey is a vehicle and security specialist based in Dublin. We have two branches in Dublin, one north, one south side. And I suppose one of our big components at the moment that we specialise in is van security.
2: Now, explain what your business does to enhance van security.
8: What we are trying to do is tailor-make van security for each individual that calls us with an issue. Unfortunately, people like our my previous conversations... People wait till they've been broken into to to come to us. So we're trying to advertise that prevention is better than cure when it comes to van security. Um, We can offer everything from the standard slam locks right up to our premium package, which is, as I always call it, the Rolls Royce of uh, security packages.
2: So you enhance the locks that are on vans or put new ones on or what?
8: We add to, we can add additional locks or we can add in existing or how will I put it, more security locks involved. So we add in electronic bolts alongside an alarm system, which then it stops evolving criminals. So that hopefully the sense terrible that they'll move on to an easier target that may not have those additional locks fitted to their van that we're kind of protecting against the future rather than the past problems.
2: OK, and what you're stopping is them opening the main access points like doors and that, because that's what they need to really open up to get out what they want.
8: Exactly. Each van unfortunately has some point of weakness. Mm. So we tailor make your package when you come in and you show us your van. We'll kind of advise you as to where the weaknesses are and we carry out the necessary adjustments or fit new locks to fit kind of work around your specific needs the tools that you're uh, carrying and also it's very popular with self-employed people because it's their tools they're protecting mm. as opposed to you know it's their livelihoods it's their office so we need to protect their office for them
2: it's interesting you're here today because i have to say in recent months i've met a number of people who are self employed and who've been the victim of crime as well their vans you know what i mean been hit and all the all the tools being taken. It's a shocking scenario too. It
8: is. We've seen them being opened by like cans of beans, you know, in through the roof, pulling the doors down when they, you know, maybe even have a smaller set of standard locks on it, additional locks. Our new premium package would be to try and address that there will hopefully be an easier target down the road it's a very sensitive alarm system which will also protect things like if they unfortunately what they're doing now is trying to steal catalytic converters off vans so it would even prevent against that there's tilt sensors on it protects your alloys if they tilt for that and any also it has an engine cut off if god forbid you are pulled from the vehicle when it's driving to try and take your tools you can switch off your van from an app it's all run off an app on your phone so it's very you know, it's moving with technology.
2: What are you hearing back from people you've sold these solutions to?
8: The feedback is phenomenal that it comes back. And I assure you, if somebody's van was broken into with our system, we'd know all about it. So I always touch wood that we haven't had anyone past their system. Okay. So it's a very, very positive feedback. And, you know, it is a premium package, it's slightly more than the standard locks that you see out there. But it's a once-off investment. It's completely transferable from if you purchase a van this year and you move vans in three years' time, you move the entire package with you.
2: God, so you're like, Tom, you've thought of everything. There's no, <laughs> I can't find a weakness in this yet. We've been talking about security off, weaknesses. Yes. But your business is Auto Key, it's Auto-key. called. And you're going to be there on Wednesday week. Yes, absolutely. In the we Art have Point demonstrations
8: as well. of everything with us. So I'll be happy to answer any questions anyone might have on it. So absolutely, we'll be there all day.
2: And Tom, just back to you, you're actually going to practically demonstrate as well what, what you what you people do.
1: We will have a unit set up just next door to the hall that the exhibition is in and we will do um, four or five demonstrations an hour. So people, if they feel they want to see it in action, just ask us. We will say, yeah, five minutes time, we're going again. So we'll do multiple demonstrations yes. all day. So And Dean,
2: back to you, Dean Cairns, the two with us today, uh, Tom Scott from Fault Bandit and Maria Talbot Auto Key, are just two of a number of exhibitors that are going to be there Wednesday week.
7: Yeah, I think we're, we've just approximately 35 exhibitors now taking part. And that's covering every aspect that you could probably think of in relation to security and safety. You know, fire, physical, electronic, gates, you know, cyber thefts, you know, uh, m- tracking systems, DNA marking now, uh, Angadish Econ will be there. Body camera uh, companies will be there. It's a one-stop shop, you know. Even just as 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 an educational in itself, you know, people are not going to get a better opportunity. You know, there's no other exhibition around it at the moment. Mm. You know, to get a bit of experience. And I go back to the farming industry. I mean, they've been hit hard over the last year, as we all heard of. And there's a whole number of companies that will be able to give them some help and advice in every aspect of their security. As with the construction industry, I mean, if the places and if if the, if the, all the, the the sites around Avon don't get a bus load and bring all their workers to an Avon, we'll be disappointed. We will. <laughs> that have security on the sites that day
2: if yeah, they all yeah, head to the Ardboyne yeah. Hotel I'm not flagging that one up there will be yeah, if you're listening yeah, today yeah. there will be plenty of security back on but I know what you're of saying course. seriously yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know we know about the agriculture we've mm. heard the cases here shocking yeah. cases in recent times yeah. construction industry as well banking whether there's money you know the self-employed the vans it's all covered there yeah. well look we just wanted to highlight it today because it is a big issue for everybody yes. I want to thank you for joining me on the show Dean Cairns uh, Crime Prevention Officer in County Meath Tom Scott from Fog Bandit Tom I really like what you do uh, best wishes for the exhibition and Maria Talbot Auto Key as well. Thank you all so much for joining me on the show and good luck reminding you again Business Security uh, Expo is the 3rd of October. That's Wednesday week, tomorrow week 11 to 7 in the Ardbine Hotel. It's free and everybody welcome. Thank you all very much indeed.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Driver, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance.
2: Well done to you Ambrose Cassidy, you've won David Gillick's new book, yes, back on track. The answer was 400 metres, yes, that was David's speciality distance and well done to everybody who entered the competition, WhatsApp and text as well. But Ambrose is the winner today and we'll organise Ambrose to get that book to you, enjoy, it really is a cracker. Win a Dream Wedding the Village Hotel Sinead will I read a few more of the messages yes. that are coming to us and they've come in in their hundreds we're whittling them down as we speak uh, the uh, adjudication committee of three and we're getting in touch with people as well
6: and tomorrow Sinead oh, I can't
2: wait. I know we'll be ringing the first finalist tomorrow yes the finale is are Saturday you, are you
6: ready for squeals and screams oh, day in your that's, head that's, that's yeah. what we want to hear that's yeah, what we yeah, want to yeah.
2: hear that's it if you're, if you're in the competition we want to hear loads of that but anyway we'll be ringing the first finalists tomorrow remember there will be five they'll come to the beautiful new village hotel on Saturday October 6th and somebody will win a dream wedding oh it's brilliant 15,000 euro it's worth everything involved there listen to a couple of these messages we've got after a tough year it'd be so lovely to have something really good to look forward to for myself and my fiance we had a baby last September and since then have got engaged lost our house been in a car accident and moved into my father's house Uh, My fiancé has been my rock throughout all of this change and I would love to win this prize for him to have something to look forward to. He means the world to me and deserves this prize for all he's put in to keep this family together. I love that message as well. You're being considered, that's all I'll tell you. You never know, you never know. Uh, Another one. I nominate my stepdaughter and our fiancé. I think they deserve it because they are after naming the day twice and each time they had to cancel because the first time she got pregnant and was due... After the wedding date, and the second time, they just couldn't afford it. They've three children, and if they don't get some help, they'll never be able to get married. They just won't afford it. It's their dream to be married, their childhood sweethearts. Oh, oh Jerry, really this like is so well. hard. How do you make a decision? Oh, so Talk, hard. I'll tell you, this committee.
6: It's it's tough. I, it yeah, I wouldn't like their jobs. Sinead, oh, just, Sinead oh.
2: Brazel is here. Oh yes, and and like the I want to give
6: it to everybody. <laughs> everybody,
2: Shane wants to give everybody a wedding. And just another one to give you a flavour for the entries that are coming to us. Myself and my partner are together, ten years on Saint Patrick's weekend, twenty nineteen. We met in two thousand and nine. We were fifteen and sixteen. We both attended graduations uh, in Drogheda. We bought our first home in twenty seventeen after a long, long time saving for a deposit and we moved into our beautiful home in County Mead recently. we childhood sweethearts. My partner's father passed away suddenly this year and always wanted to have a day out, as he called it. We'd love to win this prize. Oh, oh God, yeah. it's too That's late for him, but you never know. Well. You Another never, great one as well. Another great one. You never, never know. Another great one. And loads and loads of great ones on and on they go. Up next on Late Lunch, our final guest of the day is the ombudsman, Peter Tyndall will be talking to us next. What is the Ombudsman all about? What does he do? Well, I can tell you that they're coming with a roadshow to the northeast. But we're going to talk to Peter after this break.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Driver, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance.
2: I'm sure most people have heard of the ombudsman by this stage. Do you know what he or she does, what you can go to them with and what it's all about? Well, I can tell you that there's a roadshow coming to the D Hotel in Drahada this Thursday, September 27th, from 10 in the morning till 7 in the evening. And staff from the office of the ombudsman will be present to answer any questions you may have. I'm joined on the line by the man himself, Peter Tyndall, is our ombudsman in Ireland. Peter, you're very welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for joining me. How long are you in the post there?
4: Uh, Coming up to five years now.
2: And you served as ombudsman in Wales, yes?
4: Yes, I did, yes. I worked in Wales for many years, as you can tell. I am from uh, Dublin originally, so um, it was uh, very good to come back home and take on this job.
2: Is the ombudsman role uh, international? Is it the same in Wales, as Ireland, as anywhere else in the world?
4: Yes, there's um, ombudsman offices now right across the world. Um, The international body has 190 offices in membership in more than 90 countries. Uh, Obviously, it's a little bit different. Each country has different requirements and responsibilities. But basically, we all look at public services and we deal with complaints from members of the public who aren't happy with the way that they've been treated by a public body.
2: And that's is across the gambit of public bodies, yes?
4: Yes, it is. Now, um, my office covers um, health services, it covers government departments, like the Department of Social Protection, and it covers local authorities. It also covers um, private nursing homes and um, direct provision centres.
2: And is education in there as well, yes? Ed-
4: education is. Um, we receive complaints from time to time about um, issues like the way exams are being conducted, all kinds of issues about education. Grants probably would be one of the major ones for um, uh, third-level education.
2: And a big one for a lot of people are local authorities as well. They're covered by your remit.
4: They are, and in Laos, about half of our complaints would be about um, the local authority, though we don't get too many, to be fair. Mm. But um, typically it would be about things like housing or about planning.
2: Now... If somebody has an issue with some of these bodies, they contact you and they make the complaint. Tell us how the process works from there.
4: Okay, well, we ask them to complain first to the body concerned because we're, if you like, the, um, the final stage in the complaint process. So... If they've complained to the body concerned they're still not happy, they can come to my office. And we'll look to make sure that it's within our jurisdiction. And then um, we'll try, first of all, to get the matter resolved. So if somebody's not happy with the way something's been done and on the face of it they're right, we'll try and get that resolved short of making a report. But in very serious cases, or we aren't able to get the body to agree with our suggestions, we will issue a formal report.
2: And what happens from there when you issue the report? Is it binding?
4: It's not, but this is the important thing for your listeners to know. In more than 30 years of the office, every one of our recommendations has been implemented.
2: That's a hell of a record.
4: It certainly is, because although it isn't binding, we can then go to the Eroctus and go to an Eroctus committee and report on the failure by a public body to comply with our recommendation. And in It it almost never comes to that but when it does they do comply My
2: God I think of many negotiations you should be involved in not alone in this country but in the world with a record like that
4: It's unusual you'd have to say there aren't too many ombudsman offices with a 100% track record you might have heard there was a long standing case the lost at sea case which my predecessor Emily O'Reilly had um, adjudicated on And that was the last um, case where the recommendation hadn't been implemented. And earlier this year, the government decided to implement her recommendation. So that that gave us the 100% record. And
2: that was the book closed for Emily at that stage. Isn't that brilliant? It It really is. Congratulations to you and and to your people as well on such a a wonderful record. You know, people may be annoyed and think, you know, I'll leave something, I won't bother, I'll let it go, or... What do you say to somebody who's really feeling aggrieved by something? You are the mechanism. You are the forum.
4: Yes, we are. And the, there's a reason for doing it beyond getting satisfaction for yourself. It's that people need to learn from mistakes. So that if something has gone wrong for you, it's important that you bring it to the attention of the appropriate, uh, first of all, you know, counsel or health body or whatever but also then to my office because only by learning from mistakes will services improve and we sometimes produce reports that are mostly about learning we've recently published one looking at um, end-of-life care where we've been able to highlight good practice as well as um, issues that arose in complaints to my office but by looking at where things are going wrong we can help bodies to make sure that they don't make more mistakes in the future and so that other people benefit from the mistakes that some people have reported to my office.
2: I think that's a really important point to make, and people may think it's not worthwhile or there's too much hassle or whatever involved, but you're right, for the future, uh, you're rectifying something and leaving the way clearer for people uh, that come down the road. Now, when we talk about what you do and, and the work you do as well, are the number of complaints in some areas rising while in other areas they decline?
4: Um, when you reach a point at the moment where the economy is starting to improve, you see a, typically see a pattern that complaints about planning, for instance, will probably rise because there's more development going on and complaints about um, benefits may go down because fewer people are out of work. So you do see changes over time. At the moment, complaint levels, uh, there were many years of increases, but at the moment they're running fairly level. But we want to make sure that um, people who want to complain know how to, and to make sure that we are getting all the complaints we ought to be getting, which is one of the reasons why we'll be coming to Drogheda on Thursday.
2: And it really is a long day. You start early and go on to evening time, so there's no excuse not to get along to the hotel. You'll have... People there from your office as well, and open to any uh, query or uh, question anybody has?
4: Yes, they are, and we'll be able to take complaints from members of the public on the day. So anybody who wants to come along is very welcome to do so, and we look forward to welcoming you there.
2: Is this a new initiative going out to the sticks, so to speak? Well, we're not that far from Dublin.
4: (laughs) Only up the road. Up the road. No, no, it's not a new initiative. Um, Every month we go to Galway, Cork and Limerick as the biggest um, cities, but we also have another outreach programme like this where we um, highlight the work of the office in a particular area and give people there a chance to come to us with their complaints.
2: But this is the first time you've been to Drogheda, I take it?
4: It is the first time, but... um, We're hoping we'll get a good response. Everywhere else we've been, we've tended to have people coming in and we've been busy all day and I've no reason to suppose it'll be any different in Druhud.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm sure it will be. I take it the service is free?
4: Service is completely free. We're objective, so we'll look at the facts and make a decision based on that. Uh, but people have to, you don't need um you don't need to be represented you don't need to engage a solicitor. you can come directly to my office and of course that makes it a lot easier to do than going to the courts for example have you a big staff um well, the office covers other things besides being ombudsman I'm also the information commissioner and yeah. so on so on the ombudsman's side, we have about fifty people
2: God yes, it is substantial but uh, yeah. when you think of the uh, amount of areas you cover on that information brief thrown in with the ombudsman, it is a wide area.
4: It is, yeah. The office is very busy always. But um, we're glad to be busy because it means that we're being of use to the people of Ireland.
2: Sure, and it's worked really well. You're only uh, one of, are you the fifth ombudsman, fourth or fifth in the country?
4: I'm the fourth, the fourth
2: yeah. fourth, only fourth since yeah. the office was, uh, uh, the inception of the office.
4: Yes. Um, the term of office is, is six years, but all of my predecessors were renewed, so... They served for more than six years.
2: Very, very good. Well, listen, it's great to hear that you're coming to the northeast. And again, I want to remind listeners, it's an open day at the D Hotel in Drogheda. If you have a complaint, it will be taken on the day. That's Thursday. This Thursday, the 27th of September, from 10 in the morning until 7 in the evening. It's free, and they'd like to see you come along and engage with them, and they'll be happy to help you. No matter how trivial or how serious the matter may be, in your own mind Peter thank you for taking time to join us on the show and I wish you and your staff well and welcome you to the Northeast ahead of your visit on Thursday thank you very much thank you for joining me take care of yourself that's Peter Tindall there the Ombudsman Thursday this Thursday 10 to 7 the D Hotel if you have an issue if you have a matter call in They'd love to see you there. Anyway, that's almost a lot. Sinead, is it? It is. I think they... I'm looking at the clock there. It is. Actually, do you, know,
6: do you know, we did forget somebody oh, God, and no. uh, they just, they text us in. So really want to send a big congratulations to Selena and Justin Callaghan on the birth of their son, Tristan Connor Callahan, at the weekend. So we ah, can't forget them, Gerry.
2: We're absolutely thrilled for you. We know Justin and his family very, very well and that is a very special baby and a very special arrival and we're delighted to join in the well wishes and wish them all health and happiness and wellness in the future great news that's a great little news story to finish the show with this afternoon anyway we're leaving them with who
6: the song from friends come on jerry the rembrandts
2: oh sure i know friends we're all friends in here <laughs> see you tomorrow at half one so no one told you gonna be this way your
5: job's a joke you broke
0: Late lunch with Blackstone Motors Driver, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance.
4: Hi.